Thanks for hanging in there with Organic Matters. I hope you're following. I began the last quarter, the one before now, this is the fourth quarter of this show for this week, talking about inflammation and what's good for you and what's bad for you. We didn't get through it all. I have too much on my brain. So we're going to end up now with fats. We haven't talked about fats yet. So if you've listened to the previous one, this will fit right in. And if not, please go back and listen. Or as I mentioned in the previous part of the show, just uh, drop me a line at natureapproved at yahoo.com. I'd be glad to send you all the information into your email or your text. So let's talk about fats. They've been maligned in a lot of ways, and we've learned a lot about them. First of all, are there good fats? Yes, there's a bunch of them. Way at the top of my list, and for those of you that have followed me for years, I've even made, one year I made 18,000 gallons of olive oil at the Sandy Oaks Olive Orchard. I think it's the biggest year she ever had. I'm sorry, she's since passed away, but it was a very successful year, and it was a very successful olive ranch. Extra virgin olive oil should be the main oil you use in your kitchen, I would say, most of the time if I have to give you one. It's good for you in so many ways. Just be sure you're getting a good quality olive oil. And the reason I'm saying that, there's a good percentage of olive oils even coming in from countries you think you could trust that are either not olive oil or they have a bit of olive oil in it and they cover it with a bunch of other oil, which is not good for you. So be sure you know what your source is. Nuts and nut butters, walnuts, almonds, cashews, pecans, and nut butters without any ingredients. Now, the junk, without a lot of junk, sugars and things, are a great part maybe one of the best, maybe more than we've even learned, of part of an anti-inflammatory diet. Including in that same kind of image is hemp seeds, flax seeds, chia seeds. Seeds in general are a healthier decision to make than a number of grains. And the reason is mostly because we modify the grains. We make flour out of it. Not, not such a good idea. And this is the second time this comes up. The first was in proteins, now in fats, and that's fish. Cold water fish like wild Alaskan salmon and sardines are nature's most reliable source of healthy anti-inflammatory omega-3 oils. Again, wild caught, folks. It's a big difference in the nutritional profile of a, of a farm-raised fish. And one of my favorites that I've learned to love, I've always liked them, some people don't, but I've, I try to do two or three times a week is eat an avocado. They have real high levels of mono-unsaturated fats. Use avocado as a good spread instead of mayonnaise. I make up mayonnaise. I call it mayonnaise, but it's really basically an avocado. I mix a little egg with it if you want. I'll give you the, 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 the recipe. It's as good as or better and smoother than mayo and a heck of a lot better for you in general. And this is an interesting one that I studied and I was not going to put in here, but I read about it and I got to agree is from what they say, it's a pretty good choice. And that's coconut oil. Even though it contains saturated fats, this particular plant oil is healthy and useful, especially if you're a high heat cooking kind of guy, and I am for certain things, and it's really good for baking. So don't give up on the, I like the all natural, I like it... Uh, it's actually going to have a little coconut flavor, unrefined, but you can get it refined, and it's a really, really pretty neutral oil for what you want to do. Now, the really bad fats. I'll start with the worst, trans fats. Avoid them completely. If it says anywhere on it, hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated, it's not edible. Margarine and shortening are made from trans fats. 
Don't use them. Use real butter, which the margarine people 25 or 30 years try to sell us on the fact that it was safer and better for you than butter. Just not true, especially if you get organic or pasture-raised butter. Uh, it's, it's really good for you in the amounts that you should be using it. And for shortening, I don't use shortening. Uh, I get a thing called leaf lard, and I make my own lard from pastured pigs. It's expensive initially, but you don't use very much of it. And it's uh, a much healthier profile than you get from any shortening you can possibly find. Now, I tell you, I use butters, and I eat cheese, and I even use some full dairy, but only in one one way. Conventional dairy cows produce milk products that includes cheese, butter, and any other milk product that are loaded with pro-inflammatory saturated fats. They're not good for you. Pastured cows, grass-fed cows, it's a whole, it's milk, but it's not even really milk. It's a milk-like substance. It, it doesn't have any profile similar to what Daisy the cow that your grandma or grandpa used to raise, whatever you wanted to call her. Totally different. Not, it's not even really the same food. Now we're going to look at beef, pork, and poultry popping up again, this time in the fats department. Just as a general statement, I won't go into each individual. Factory farmed animals have unhealthy fats in their meat. You should restrict consumption of meat altogether and only eat grass-fed or pasture-raised animals. Just the easiest way I can say it. It's worth the difference to your health for the difference in the cost. And finally, it just sounds healthy, doesn't it? Vegetable oils. We've been raised on them. Although it sounds healthy, this is where the unhealthy omega-6 fats that you get come from. Stay away from soybean oil, vegetable oils in general, safflower, cottonseed, palm kernel oil. Really bad, believe it or not. Stick with the real naturals. Uh, and that in, in that vegetable oil, that includes canola. There is one exception. You can, if you want to f- look hard enough, find cold-pressed, like extra virgin, I want to call it, canola oil. But I don't know why when you have so many available, like uh, the real olive oils and avocado oil, two that I really, really do believe in, and there's a few others. But yeah, just stay away from the vegetable oils in general, and you'll be healthier, and your family will be healthier. And finally, I said there was going to be a surprise, and it was going to be a surprise. But at the end of this, this is it. And it's something I decided myself because I'm really big on it, and I'm big on it because of this. We're going to talk about herbs and spices. I'm going to give you the top 10 anti-inflammatory herbs and spices. Okay? And there's a lot more of them. These are the 10 that are most well thought of, at least here in the United States. So the more herbs and spices in your cooking, uh, basically the better off you are. And this includes way at the top of my list. I actually use this every day and I actually take one in a capsule, which I don't take many pills, folks. Turmeric. Get back to ginger if you haven't used it. Cloves of any kind. Cumin. Cumin changes the whole profile of a number of our grass-fed meats. It's wonderful. I, I have all three kinds of paprika, sage, rosemary, thyme, all that stuff. Cayenne peppers are excellent for you if you like spice. Cinnamon, I'm still underusing. I'm learning to use it even in my in my daily cooking. And I put ten, uh, number 10 at the bottom, garlic. But I actually, my garlic should be like number two or three. I probably OD on garlic a bit. All of which are very, very good for you, though. It's something to be considered. And, and I put them in. I have a little tiny kitchen. I live in an RV right now. And in every place you can see are stacks of spices because that makes me remember to use them. They're high profile. You know I've got them, and I know I've got them. 
And another interesting point on this, herbs and spices, I'm just going, basic, there's hardly anything you need to avoid here, okay? All natural herbs and spices are basically good for you. There's a few that they've adulterated that have all kinds of stuff in it, so do read the jars, the containers. But in general, the more herbs and spices you use, first the better your food will taste once you customize yourself to eating herbs on a regular basis, you'll actually be, be skin to see a difference in it. It may be psychological, but I have a bad knee, broke things up a few times, tried a lot of things, don't go, went to the doctor. I started on a pretty good dose of turmeric, and I'm into it long enough that I, I thought the other day back, I haven't, my knee hasn't hurt in a few weeks. I don't have any, this is, uh, you know, this is not a scientific study, but it seems to be working for me. So we'll kind of round this out with just a little general conversation about how you cook, for one thing, and how much do you eat? And I know this is not, I'm not trying to be a dietitian here. Number one is I don't hardly fry anything. I can't say I've never fried anything. I, I have. But I always try first alternatives. One thing came into my life by accident three or four years ago is a good friend of mine, uh, won't give you the whole... F- out of Anyway, I ended up with his air fryer, and he happened to have a really good air fryer. It's not frying, folks. It, it's basically oil-less or practically oil-less, okay? And it is a healthier way to cook. I do chicken. I do fish. Uh, when I want that kind of vegetables, I throw it in there. It is just an easy, easy, safe way to cook. And there's some new ovens that have air fryers built in. I actually have a convection oven right now that works just about as good as my air. I just use it like an air fryer. It's not quite it, It's not quite as crispy sometimes as you get in a real air fryer, but it's every bit better and better for you than using oils to cook in. So I still use my olive oil. I still have my favorites. Avocado is my second favorite. And I use it maybe to put a spray on it to put it into the air fryer or the convection. But it'll take a, make a big difference in the amount of total bad fats that you're taking into your body. Get into the air fryer business. The other new, not new, it's been around for since it's humans, is steaming your foods, especially vegetables. Okay, um, boiling takes out a lot. Unless you're going to drink the liquid, you lose a good amount of the nutrient in the in the whatever you're growing. Broccoli, I always use because I'm a big broccoli eater. Uh, you're better off to steam them. They keep a lot more of their nutrients in them. I only steam them till they're bright green, so they might be a little crunchy, which is probably better than soft and cushy. And and steam. I steam my eggs. I only boil my eggs, not not because I <laughs> think the boiling the eggs is going to hurt it. And but I can have a much better control. And if I want a soft egg or a medium egg or a hard boiled egg, I've gotten those science down because steam is very constant. Okay, and and it's easier to keep control of that. I even steam some meats, which sounds like oh no. I steam chicken and then I turn around and 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 just put it in the air fryer long enough to dry it out and kind of bake the skin on if that's what you like. So you can you can do a number of things in steam that we never think about. You know, you can even steam beans if you want to take the time to do it. I don't know how much. Since we usually eat the beans with the liquid that's in them, at least I do, you don't lose much of the nutrient. But part of the loss is the extreme heat. Steam just gets up to steam temp, folks, and then it turns into water, you know, if it's below or if you don't put it in a pressure cooker. And I'm not anti-pressure cooker. There is some studies show two things that are interesting. One, pressure cooker food may have a bit more nutrition left in it because of the way you use it. Less water might be part of the secret. 
And finally, a change of uh, attitude for me. Uh, <laughs> there was a time a decade ago when I told you a microwave is good for one thing, to be a boat anchor. Well, science shows, especially the new ones which are more efficient, that except for steaming, especially vegetables done properly, microwaved vegetables maintain virtually all of the nutrition they came with. And one other little secret here that most people don't know, and I had to be trained, some of the flash-frozen vegetables that you can buy, for instance, sweet peas, green peas are what I learned about, but I understand it happens with a number, actually have more nutrition than if you go buy fresh ones at the market. Just because those peas and things sometimes are frozen in the field now. They have a machine that they just, it's quick frozen. They're done within an hour. You buy, They're already frozen. So they maintain all of that till you thaw them. Whereas if they're sent to the store, uh, it might be a week getting there and you're two or three days buying them. And all the time, once a bean or a plant is off and, and going the other way, starting to degrade, you lose a little bit all the time. So if you flash freeze them, you actually maintain more nutrient than otherwise. So flash freezing and microwave isn't all as bad as I used to think. Thanks for staying tuned to Organic Matters. Get in touch with me anytime or, or go to my show, bruce.dooley.com. See you next week.